0: But I said, oh, this is this is great. Here's an opportunity to teach a sport I've loved. I, I haven't gotten involved from an indoor cycling standpoint other than being on the, the fringe. We can teach real cycling. We can teach profiles and lactate threshold training and all this physiology that I know and I love and I share and good biomechanics and injury prevention and, and again, build on the amazing foundation we already have in indoor cycling.
1: This is Amy, the Senior Group Fitness Instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. After 240-some-odd interviews... I was looking through here the other day and I realized that one voice has been completely missing from the Indoor Cycle Instructor podcast and that is Real Rider. So we're going to change that today and I'd like everybody to meet Douglas Brooks who is the director of programming at Real Rider Cycling. Douglas, welcome to the Indoor Cycle Instructor podcast.
0: John, thanks so much. Uh, we're excited to make a show. Thank you.
1: Well, <laughs> I'm excited to have you. God dang it. No, this is awesome. You guys have really made your mark in the industry, and I'm just excited to talk to you about it and let everybody get to know Douglas Brooks.
0: Hey, we want to we thank you as well as the entire indoor cycling community. Uh, they've really welcomed us, uh, taught us a lot, and uh, just it's just really, really fun to be part of the community and, and drive this whole category forward
1: listeners to this inevitably are familiar with real rider but give somebody just the 2-minute elevator pitch that would for somebody you know crawling out from under a rock or something that help them understand what differentiates real rider from pretty much everybody else
0: the unique aspect on real rider is is for a lot of people who are familiar with it is the movement of the bike we capture the lateral leaning turning steering element That you would experience on an outdoor bike, like a road cycle, single track. We are very, very careful, most of us being pretty hardcore cyclists. Uh, Colin Irving, the inventor, is a semi-pro ex-Ironman. I guess I should say former Ironman since I'm still alive. And uh, Kona, of course. So we, we capture the essence of it. The movement under you is just about perfect. The leaning, turning, steering takes a little bit more effort. But generally, a cyclist will get on it. And say, oh, my gosh, thank you, thank you, thank you, because it, it brings in that natural aspect. An average person, though, is going to not necessarily be that excited about it, maybe, unless they say, wow, it's fun, which it does bring back the fun element. But also there are some benefits to that movement, not only in terms of compliance and having fun, but it takes sheer forces off the bottom crank, which obviously isn't going to tear up that crank. Obviously, if there's stresses on the bike, there's going to be stresses on the ankle, knee, hip, low back. So many people find the ride very comfortable, very fun. A little more calorie burning, about 20%. There was a study done out of Cal State Northridge with Stephen Loy, and a lot of that has to do with the whole body integration, stabilization, a little bit more core engagement, as well as upper body stabilization. So in a nutshell, Real Rider is a whole lot about the movement, but we're building on 30 years of indoor cycling. So, we have this what we call the horizontal element movement. You still have your vertical profile up and downs, you still have your zone profile, and then we build a storyline like we've been doing since Johnny G got us rolling years ago. So, it's it's really really exciting that a, you know, an instructor might say, "Oh my gosh, you know, I have to learn a whole new genre." Well, really, only the movement. It's a quick learn, it's natural, it's fun. And then you can still use all those tools you've developed through your cycling teaching career.
1: Before we started recording, you were beginning to tell me an interesting story about how you got first got going in the whole indoor cycling world. Can you share that with us?
0: Yeah, yeah, because, again, a lot of people say, like, geez, where did Douglas Brooks come from in terms of indoor cycling? He's he's really never been involved a whole lot in the last 20, 25 years since this started but it, it literally um, you know I'm pretty diverse in terms of background exercise physiology my grad work is in that I coach uh, athletes I'm director of athlete conditioning at Sugar Bowl Ski Academy but I'm always looking for tools on a consumer level average health fitness enthusiast as well as a lead athlete to teach with but everything preceding that is after getting out of grad school moving to LA having a couple personal training studios, I became really, really good friends with Johnny G. And again, those of you who don't know Johnny, and I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you're probably pretty involved with indoor cycling. You know, he, he is the man. He's he's what got this rolling and made it easy for all of us to jump on the bandwagon. But a, a short little anecdote story that I like to tell. We were pretty good friends. We were training together in Los Angeles, and we were riding north on PCH one day, Pacific Coast Highway. And I always joke, I always uh, got on Johnny's back wheel because much better cyclist, very amazing athlete. So I'm drafting on Johnny and he's telling me about this concept, spinning, indoor cycling that he's going to do. And everyone knows how Johnny waxes eloquently and and he could talk and I could barely breathe. But I I was behind him and I just go, this is crazy. And so I got on my saddle, pulled up next to him, looked at him, famous quote, dude, this is never going to work. Pulled back in behind me because I couldn't breathe. And obviously it worked very well, but honestly, and and I don't say this to patronize real rider and to highlight its movement quality. But at that point being an outdoor cyclist, Ironman triathlete and so on, and so many other things going on in terms of coaching and the things that were evolving in the industry back, back then, you know, over 20 years ago, I, I just never got really excited about indoor cycling. And I, of it was, it didn't capture the essence of me of real outdoor riding, but huge value. I mean, of course, we used it in our training. I wrote a program called Cycle Fit that was generic to any bike out there. And at that point, I was actually contracted to Reebok after we had launched very successful Step Reebok, Slide Reebok, Walk Reebok, and so on. So I easily could have gotten involved with their cycle program, but I kind of just stayed on the fringe, did a little consulting. And it wasn't literally until Colin Irving, the inventor of Real Rider, got me on this bike. And, and he actually brought a bike up to where I live in Mammoth Lakes, California, a small resort community um, north of LA, up in the Sierra Nevada, about uh, 9,000 feet. And I got on it, a little bit nervous. You know, what do I do? And Colin looked at me and he said, Douglas, you're a, you're, a, you're a solid cyclist, just ride. And he laughingly, obviously. And I just looked at him and I said, okay, I'm going to relax and ride this thing. And my first impression was finally. So that, that's kind of a little story. And I said, I could get behind something like this. My intent at that point wasn't necessarily to be the director of education for Real Rider because I'm so involved with BOSU, working with Pure Motion, my athletic conditioning at Sugar Bowl Ski Academy. But I said, oh, this is, this is great. Here's an opportunity to teach a sport I've loved. I I haven't gotten involved from an indoor cycling standpoint other than being on the the fringe. We can teach real cycling. We can teach profiles and lactate threshold training and all this physiology that I know and I love and I share and good biomechanics and injury prevention and, and again, build on the amazing foundation we already have in indoor cycling. So no apologies. I mean, I am stoked. I'm excited. But literally – the spark that got me into this was getting on this bike that captured the essence of outdoor riding. So it's, it's been fun so far.
1: So Colin actually, you know, who's the really the inventor of the bike, right? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So he recruited you to head up their education side. Is that correct?
0: What's really interesting. And Colin didn't know me. I didn't know him. Um, through really rich hansen who's one of our ceos and he always jokes and it's really gr- glad uh to have rich from a business standpoint for his business savvy I, I mean he's he's like me he's been around forever and he founded he always says this little company called stairmaster you know so we're saying wow if you see this product as something you think is going to fly and with all your savvy with stairmaster nautilus you know that, that brings a lot of strength to us from a from a business perspective but through a mutual friend who knew me they said you should get Douglas on this we we think that he would love this and you know if you if you look at it when you look at the solid indoor cycling programs that are out there and again you know forgive me if i, I forget one but you know we look we so look up and again not to patronize but schwinn is a great educational company we we want to be like that someday. Spinning does good job with their education, and the list goes on and on. Kaiser, all these different bikes out there do some good things with education. But uh, me wanting to jump in and drive this was really the impetus. Was was the bike bike that moved?
1: Okay. What. What what are the three primary advantages? I mean, we can all recognize, yes, it moves. But what do you see are the really, you know, just to pick a number three, primary advantages of having a bike that moves?
0: I'm going to say, number one, I know right away, I'll save that one. I mean, it's, it's so simple because you can go techie on this and you can say, okay, riding comfort. Taking away shear forces in terms of bike maintenance and not stressing the body. We've got therapists who love it because they can get a rehab on an ankle, knee, hip, low back. And they can get them on it sooner because of the gentle movement side to side. So I I think, one, technically, you say shear force is huge, I mean, from a technical standpoint. And as you boil it up and kind of start ramping to the top, you've got to say, okay, whole body integration, so you're using the upper body to stabilize, integrate the core, and all of that leads to increased caloric expenditure. So you're a little efficient, more efficient with time spent. But here's the number one. And when we do our eight-hour cert and our, our workshops, you know, we talk about the technical and the shear forces and 20% increase in caloric expenditure, which is like a couple calories a minute, shear forces go away. It, it really works with the body, not against it. But at the end of the day, and, and Colin coined this, and it really struck, and, and a light bulb came on my head one day. He said, at the end of the day, though, this is what this bike is about. And I think it it's what, what it really contributes to the indoor cycling area. He said, if you ask a kid, why do you ride a bike? Are they going to say, oh, because there's no shear forces, or I'm burning? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know my first thought was, There were two thoughts I had. I know as a kid, man, when I got my bike, I could get away from my parents, go somewhere far and go somewhere quick and go get into some trouble. But the other is, and this is it, you ask a kid why he rides a bike and says, because it's fun. And I think that that's the number one expression. People get on this and they go, whoa, it's fun. And usually we have this experience. It's really cool. Everybody probably remembers the first time somebody took the training wheels off and gave that little shove either to a nephew or yourself you remember and maybe you get this little wobble and you kind of go whoa and about 30 seconds later you're going yeah this is fun got it and so we generally when people first get on this bike they have that experience of wow this is different the bike is moving and we say yeah but that's going to become your new norm and they start to get it their frame of reference is fixed but the new norm will be this movement that flows under you and there's a nice rhythm that's very natural. So we get those two experiences where once you take the training wheels off, is what we call, you'll feel that, okay, little wobble, what do I need to do? Well, then this is a really great teaching element. A lot of our instructors who've been teaching 20 plus years in indoor cycling, they go, hey, we've been talking ourselves blue in the face. Everybody who teaches cycling does. Light on the bars. You know where I'm going, right, John? Mm Into the the pedals get the right gear and you know they lay on they lay on the the handlebars and uh they don't have enough load on we call that uh and again rich hansen who founded stairmaster we say can we can we use stairmaster as an example and he said yeah you know (laughs) (laughs) rails, and they would be on level 1000 going and a good trainer would come up and say well stand up go back to level one fingertips on the rails and they go oh my gosh this is so hard so what's interesting is a lot of people say, "Wow, real rider's so much harder to ride." Well, it's because you're gonna you're gonna have to have good body position. You're gonna burn more calories doing that. So here's the penalty on real rider: if you lay on those bars and you don't have the right load on, it's gonna wobble a little bit. The bike's gonna ride you. As soon as you push those hips back, you get a little more upright. You get that weight more or less centered over the nose of the saddle, bottom bracket. You're light on the bars. All of a sudden, you have this natural movement that now you're riding the bike. And that's our goal, to quickly get people to that. And then they'll say, but oh my gosh, my quads and my perceived exertion, my heart rate, my lactate threshold, whatever. And we say, well, yeah, you're going to get more fit. Now you're actually being efficient. Because there are a lot of people in indoor riding who said, you know, I religiously go to my classes and my fitness is plateaued. And again we've talked yourself blue in the face but now they can actualize it by feeling it and getting feedback from the bike in terms of body positioning so going back to like that top 3 list it's body positioning sheer forces calorie burning and fun that that all come together on this and and I think it's bringing just a little bit of I know it is bringing a little bit of freshness and a spark back to a very solid indoor cycling category and and is my opinion that in the next, I want to say, five years, everybody, I think, is going to move toward a bike that moves because you may not know how to fix it, but you know if you get on a bike that isn't designed right, that has some element of movement to it, you know it's wrong, and it's not a very good experience. So we feel like we, we've we gotten it based on the feedback from professional cyclists, triathletes, And then also just the consumer who says, well, I may never ride outside and I don't really have an interest, but I like this because it's fun and so on, (laughs) burns more calories. I get a little core integration, a little upper body stabilization and so on. So uh, it's it's been a fun ride and we've learned so much about the bike and how to communicate this to people and teach it. But again, going back to building on everything that's already been set in the community that science based. And now we're just adding another another little element to it that you get to play with.
1: Okay, Douglas, help me understand the kind of the adoption of Real Rider from my perspective, it tends to be very popular for the smaller boutique studios. Are you getting traction in the larger big boxes as well?
0: Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Obviously one of our big goals from a marketing business standpoint would be to get in a big big box club, and you nailed it. On the head, but I'm going to tell you we've got something in the pipes, pipework here that is is we're very, very excited about. It's a no brainer, especially because of all these new what we'll, let's call them boutiques or high touch studios and small club chains, two, three, four, five club chains that are developing. And 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 you remember John, like back in the day, actually when I was riding north on PCH with Johnny G that was when there were a lot of small boutiques in 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 the LA area and around the country where i was based then and you would go to these you know body express studio and karen void and all these specialty studios then the big box clubs came, came, took over full service one stop shopping everything you wanted under one roof and and there's still a solid commodity but it's interesting there's there's a little bit of recycling i guess everything's never outdated right mullets are going to come back and so
1: <laughs> i save my old pants because at some point <laughs> they'll look good again
0: <laughs> so, so true so anyway these high touch studios i'm thinking of there's there's a, a studio in Tallahassee Florida sweat therapy and Brian and Kim run that and so they said okay we're going to make a, a difference in this college community we're going to market to the older adult we're going to market to you know, the the 40-year-old, but we also have this huge college student element. And we're going to bring into this idea of functional integrated training that is the buzzword out there, the idea of boot camps and, you know, how to use equipment in that small group training. So they, they would incorporate real rider. It's a fun ride. So small group training, 25 bikes or so. But they also use those real riders in a circuit. They combine that with indoor row, indoor rowing, Josh Crosby, headed that up professional rower so they use that we use that also with our cyclists cuz or excuse me with our skiers because it doesn't beat them up so they can get some nice recoveries like on an indoor bike with no impact they they look at suspension training and bring that into the element so if you want to differentiate yourself in the marketplace you look to unique equipment that delivers and real rider really fits that they they don't want what everyone else has but they also want something that's legit and makes a mark in terms of differentiating the workout in terms of compliance, as well as physiological result
1: and per- right, which is forgive me for interrupting, but that is the, the, the kind of the, the, the motivation behind the small boutique competing with some big box.
0: Yes. And then here's the, here's the deal. Eventually what's going to happen and is happening. And you know, I think I can drop this, uh, and, and let you know a little bit about this, but, um, let the cat out of the bag more or less. But what happens is then you have people who experience this and then you have people who like instructors who would experience this at a SCW an Idea World can fit pro, uh, fit pro event over in London, uh, up in Loughborough. It's, we're going wild in Asia over in Beijing and Shanghai and you know, even Bangkok. So, But again, you get people who experience this. So it's kind of a in-the-trench grassroots. You get instructors who experience it, go, wow, I love this. This builds on everything I'm doing. It brings an element that I can't invent, this fun and movement. It's just a win-win. I can still build my story. I can do my mind-body. All these things I've done, but man, this gives me another leg up. Then you get people who start experiencing this at the club level. And so now you get a push. You get instructors saying, we want those bikes. And then you also get the consumers saying, well, at the big box club where they still actually may have a membership even if they're in a boutique and going to these specialty classes. And they say, well, why don't we have those bikes? And then at some point, a big box club is going to say, which they have, we want to differentiate ourselves from other big box clubs. And maybe their indoor cycling program is a little bit flat. Maybe it's steady. But they're saying this could really differentiate us in the marketplace. So we're talking with two or three big box clubs, and we're talking hundreds of clubs. We have a launch set up uh, to initiate in a couple clubs to uh, go ahead and test this. We have some big uh, national worldwide chains in Singapore and Hong Kong that are ready to go with it, and also Malaysia, uh, in, in, uh, or excuse me, Indonesia, Jakarta area. So we're we're very excited about that. And it looks like we'll have finally gotten into that big box club. And hopefully it, you know, is an eye opener and puts a little pressure uh from a business standpoint on some of the clubs to consider moving to that next genre. Again, what we think the future is is, is really movement. But again, you've got to get it right or it's it's the worst experience in the world. Because people have had bikes that You know, maybe the handlebars move or the back. Right, right, right. It's just like, it's just torture. So Mm -hmm. again, you're spot on with that. And we're excited. We're moving toward that first uh, big box club. We have an initial order that's been sent out to a club that has tens and tens of uh, outlets all over over the world. So that's going to be a really big test
1: for us. Can you tell us in someplace in the U.S. that we're going to see that? Or is that a, still a secret?
0: We literally are in negotiations in the U.S., so we we do have to keep that on on the down.
1: Okay, <laughs> okay.
0: It does it does look like? I'll, I'll these guys always, you know, our our executives at Real Writer. I'm just such a naive. I, I do the education. you know go, Douglas, you're giving away our secrets in, in surprise, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, so I, I should probably, not, I'm always getting slapped on the wrist cause I, I just want to talk about cycling and what
1: we're doing. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, and you know, the idea was you were at about 20 minutes here, which is typical. And I think what we'd I'd like to do, we're going to end this half and we're going to start the second half, uh, where I really want to talk about creating your story and building your profile Yeah, that you would do with real rider that may be very different or probably is very different than what we would do with a a stationary indoor cycle. Uh, so, Douglas, I just thank you for the, the first half here, and I'll be excited to uh, let everybody hear the second half as well. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast, the voice of indoor cycling. You can find us at indoorcycleinstructor.com, and we're in the iTunes Music Store search Indoor Cycling and subscribe to our free podcast. Now, if you're like most instructors, you're struggling with finding the time to create the perfect class profile and the music playlist to go with it. If that sounds like you, consider a premium subscription to ICI Pro. We've done all the work for you. Inside ICI Pro, you'll find the largest collection of comprehensive class profiles for teaching conventional classes, classes featuring heart rate, and also power. Contributed by the most diverse collection of master trainers and rockstar instructors on the planet. Every profile includes a complete music playlist we guarantee your class will enjoy. Combine ICI Pro with Spotify and you could be ready to teach an awesome class in minutes. Visit IndoorCycleInstructor.com forward slash pro and start your no risk trial subscription today.